Chapter 11 of St. Joseph of Copertino. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Tatiana Cicilla. St. Joseph of Copertino by Rev. Angelo Pastrovici. Translated by Rev. Francis S. Lang. Obtaining the Prize. On entering the monastery at Azimo, Joseph had foretold that he would die there, saying, This is my rest, Psalms chapter 131, verse 14. Speaking more clearly of his death, he added that, if he were not the first, he should certainly be the second friar of Copertino to die at Ozimo. Events proved him to be the second. He revealed the approach of his death to Father Silvestre Evangelisti on the return of the latter to Ozimo from Montefiasconi, where he had been two years. With him the saint agreed that the one who should die first should be assisted by the other in death. On Father Sylvester's arrival at Osimo, Joseph said to him, Have you come at last? Why did you not wish to come? Did you not remember your promise to assist me in death? Even the day of his death he foretold by saying to his brethren that he would die on the day on which he could not receive the immaculate flesh of the divine lamb, meaning Holy Communion. Knowing that his end was near, he ardently desired the approach of the happy moment when he should be wholly united with God. This holy desire shone from his countenance and revealed itself in his words. It even caused him to loathe all food that might prolong his life. August 10, 1663, he was seized with a fever. This filled him with great joy, and he replied to those who advised him to ask of God the gift of health, No, God forbid! The rigorous mode of life led by the saint had sapped his strength, weakened his stomach, and emaciated his body to such a degree that he could offer but feeble resistance to the fever. He lay down on his poor couch, resigning himself entirely to the will of the doctors and his superiors. For five days the fever was intermittent, and he was able to rise each morning to say Holy Mass in his private oratory, where he experienced the usual delights of spirit in a higher degree than ever. He had miraculous ecstasies and flights, especially during his last Mass, which he read on the Feast of the Assumption. When the violence of the fever no longer allowed him to celebrate the divine mysteries, he requested permission to assist at Holy Mass and to receive Holy Communion each morning. It was touching to see him glow with delight at Holy Communion, for on receiving the Blessed Sacrament he would exclaim, Behold my delight! and thereupon would swoon away, closing his eyes and turning pale as a corpse. As the illness progressed, the flame of divine love in his heart grew so intense that it could no longer be confined, but frequently burst from his lips in the words, O oh love! O oh love! At the same time, he would press his hands to his breast as if he would open it to give vent to the fire within. He would then turn to those who assisted him and admonish them to pray, or thank them for their kindness. The surgeon marveled much to see the servant of God, because of an ecstasy, insensible to the hot iron he applied to cure him. He marveled even more when the saint revealed to him an old and secret sin which he himself had forgotten. When no longer able to rise from his bed because of the violence of the fever, the saint yet wished to receive Holy Communion daily. The last communion, which he received as viaticum on September 17th, the day before his death, revealed the degree and strength of his love. On hearing the sound of the bell that announced the approach of his beloved, he suddenly rose from his bed and flew in rapture from the door of his room to the stair above his chapel. There on his knees, with a supernatural light diffused about his face, he received his hidden God. After Holy Communion he fell into a swoon, caused more by love than weakness, and was carried back to his bed. At the beginning of his illness, Joseph had said, The ass, meaning his body, begins to ascend the mountain. During its progress, he remarked, The ass has arrived halfway up the mountain. Finally, he said, 
The ass has reached the summit of the mountain. He can no longer move and will leave his hide here. With great fervor, he often repeated the words, I desire to be dissolved and to be with Christ, Philip chapter 1, verse 23, or God be praised, God be thanked, the will of God be done. After receiving extreme unction, he joyfully cried out, Oh, what pleasant odor! Oh, what a fragrance! Oh, what a sweetness of paradise! He then requested that the profession of faith be read, begged pardon for all his faults, and entreated that his body be interred without any solemnity in some remote and hidden spot that nobody might know where Friar Joseph was buried. The vicar general then asked the dying saint to bless him and all present. After receiving his blessing, the vicar general told the saint that he had been authorized by the Holy Father, through Cardinal Gigi, to give him the papal blessing. Joseph marveled that the vicar of Christ was so mindful of so lowly and worthless in friar, and replied, That is not a favor which one may receive in bed. Although near death, he rose, and, supported by those present, went to his oratory, where the litany was recited, and on his knees, and with great devotion, he received the papal blessing. He was then hurried back to bed, where he prepared for his last journey by repeated acts of love for God. A religious, to cheer him, spoke to him of the glories of paradise. The saint replied, I do not want to go to hell, because God is not praised there. Another said to him, Friar Joseph, it is now time to fight and conquer the devil. Joseph rejoined, The victory shall not be wanting. Nothing remained for him but the glorious triumph, the approach of which he now beheld. The saint felt uneasy, not because of pain, but as he himself said, as a consequence of his vehement love, which prompted him to use all efforts to free his soul from the bonds that still detained it. To Father Sylvester Evangelisti, who spoke to him of this love, he said, You understand it! You understand it! He gave utterance to this love in the words which he addressed to the crucifix, Take this heart, burn and rive this heart, my Jesus. To those who suggested to him ejaculatory prayers and mentioned the love of God, he said, Say it once more. After several ejaculations to his dear mother, as he called the most blessed Virgin Mary, and while the priest who assisted him prayed the Ave Maristella, Joseph yielded up his soul to God, a sweet smile and bright light spreading over his countenance. The saint died shortly after midnight, following September 18, 1663. He had attained an age of sixty years and three months, and had spent the last six years, two months, and eight days of his life at Osimo. Joseph was tall and well-built. His bearing was dignified, his gestures natural and unassuming. His features were somewhat homely, his eyes black and very vivacious, and, because he habitually raised them to heaven, they gave him a peculiar charm and gravity. The expression of his countenance was always serene, and, owing to his habitual recollection, serious and majestic. He wore a long, heavy beard, which, originally black, turned gray in later life, as did also his hair. Though he spoke but little, his converse was cordial and animated, and often characterized by a holy gaiety. The saint spent nearly half of his life away from his native country, yet he always spoke his native dialect with a singular charm. On opening the body of the saint for the purpose of embalming, it was found that the pericardium was shriveled up, the ventricles of the heart without blood, and the heart itself withered and dry. This was looked upon as an effect of the ardor of his love of God. The body was washed with spirits and laid on a sheet. In some unknown way the sheet caught fire, and the flames spread over the whole corpse. On extinguishing the flames it was found that the body was not harmed, and that the beard and hair were not even singed. The remains were carried to the sacristy and there laid out in state. A barrier of wood was erected around the bier, and twenty-four persons, eight canons, eight noblemen, and eight religious of the monastery, 
were detailed to guard the sacred remains. These precautions were necessary, for the people came in great numbers from the city and surrounding country, and, crying as with one voice, the holy priest who lived in the monastery of St. Francis is dead. They desired to see him after death, whom they could not see during life. On the 19th of September, all were allowed to enter the sacristy to view the remains. This continued till 9.15 in the evening. September 20th, the obsequies were held, in which the cathedral chapter, the secular clergy, and all religious communities of the city took part. Till after 11 o'clock in the evening, the body remained exposed to public veneration, and was then placed in a coffin of wood to be buried the next day. A renewed concourse and clamor of the people caused the coffin to be reopened, and the body exposed to view for an hour, after which the guards, by persuasion and force, induced the people to leave. The body was then taken from the temporary coffin and laid into another of Cyprus, and this was placed into a box of oak. Next day the remains were borne to the church, and there buried in the chapel of the Immaculate Conception. End of chapter 11